Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And today we are zooming it in. We are going to be on our way to CryptidCon this weekend. So doing a little preemptive recording here. So we're back at the old Zoomer. Today Nothing I've got wrong a, with that. No, definitely not. It's a it's a dope tool to have in the arsenal. Today, I've got a little interesting um, case to dive into. Uh, it'll probably be a multi-parter, but it's it's pretty wild. So before we get into that, we're going to go through all the business and housekeeping. So check us out at our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, and Reddit. Come over, search up the Hollow Sky podcast and hang out with us. Be part of the community. Share weird shit. Just, you know the drill. Come and hang out. Be part of the hollow cult. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share with the show for us to feature on a future episode, Kyle's got a bunch of information you're going to want to write down. Yeah, you can call or text the hollow phone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837. Um, you can write your story out and send that over to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also email Interviews at gmail.com if you would like to have an interview with us for our Patreon. Um, you can use your voice memo apps. You can use video recording on your phone, whatever you can to record yourself and send it over to the show. Uh, also, we do have a P.O. box that you can mail us stuff if you're interested in mailing us stuff which is all that information's in the show notes anyways, but just doubling down on it. Yeah. Send us cool shit. Weird yeah, shit. We, could, we could use some cool healing stuff. Yeah. Preferably don't curse us. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. That's I mean, not cool. That's your prerogative. That's whatever. Yeah. You can, you can hate us. That's fine. 
just just leave well-being out of it. <laughs> leave the, leave the bad juju at home. Yeah. If you'd like to support the show, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. We have a Patreon. Uh, search up the Hollow Sky Podcast over there. See if any of that stuff floats your boat. Uh, there's all kinds of tiers you can sign up for, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get some extra episodes. We're pushing near 40 now, so it's quite a bit of extra content over there. I share all kinds of stuff over there, weird newspaper articles on cryptids and UFOs and all kinds of shit, but... It's kind of its own community over there. We have a Venmo. If you'd like to throw a couple bucks in our monster fund, we are very appreciative of that. Uh, first and foremost, share our show. Share our name, share our episodes, anything you can think of, share it on social media, word of mouth, send smoke signals, uh, hook one of those flyers behind a small plane and fly it through your city. There you go. I just, like that one. <laughs> just get the hollow cult's name out there and help... Uh, help our little corner of the internet grow. You can also go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review, and we will gladly feature it if I can find it. Today's five-star rating and review comes to us from our friend Seeking Soul 33. They say five stars, realest paranormal podcast in the genre. <laughs> Genuine hosts, fascinating topics, feel Feels like you're exploring the strange with good friends. So much love for these guys. Heart emoji. Seeking Souls 33, thank you so much for the kind words. Yeah, we, we appreciate ever needed that. Them, now is definitely the time. Yeah, that was definitely a hashtag get bent to old Liberty Warrior. <laughs> He's so, a fucking nerd anyway. Yeah, we can, we can always appreciate that. That guy is just, I think he's just our forever mascot. Yeah, he'll always be there. Yeah, yeah. Haters gonna hate. Maybe, but, uh, maybe he's a furry. I mean, he could be. We're not, we won't knock him for that. No, we'll no. Knock him for, I'm just we saying. will knock him for being a fucking douche, though. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Naturally. I uh, wanted to bring something up. I know we talked about it on the Patreon episode that dropped this week, but I don't think we talked about it on the normal episode we dropped. And that's when me and Kyle were recording um, last this past Saturday. So it had been a week ago this last Saturday for all you listening. We were outside and we always kind of go out there and Kyle smokes and we just kind of shoot the shit outside. and Kind yeah, of stretch our legs and everything else. Yeah, kind of just take a break from the recording room. And as we were out there, we were talking about some things going on and I'm not going to get into any specifics. But I mentioned a very... Uh, I know you guys hate it when I'm cryptic, but I mentioned a very specific phrase. And as soon as I did, this owl swooped down from out of nowhere, almost took Kyle's head off. I don't know if he saw the like cherry from Kyle's cigarette or what it was, but he went down. And I mean, from my point of view, it was like it, it had just missed Kyle's shoulder and flew in between us and then flew up into this tree and was looking directly at us. Yeah. Another fucking owl. They're everywhere. Yeah. It was weird. Like I could see the spots underneath its wings. Like it was it was it made me like jar backwards, like just go, oh, what the hell was that? Because I thought it was a bat at first, because I got bats all over the place out here right. in the middle of nowhere. But the fucker just sat in the tree and looked at us. Yeah, it was really weird. Until I it walked up on it and it took off. Definitely weird. 
And I know other members of the hollow cult has been experiencing some owls, uh, just being menaces to society. Yeah. Well, we're here as also victims of the owl culture. Yep. We can be added to the list. It's what I get for calling out old Lop Lop and uh, the Owl Man a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I mean, he made his presence known I, here last week. Not, not, I, I've did some stupid things too, but that's here nor there. Whatever. That's here nor there. <laughs> but from there, we're gonna dive into our listener experience of the week, day, day or week, either or, whichever one you want. It's a very special one because it comes to us from our good friend, Ghost Hunter Dave. All right. I may have to change the name to Bigfoot Dave because this is his thing now. He's really, last time we spoke, he's really into the squatchery. So I need to get, try to get a hold of him, see if he'd like to come on the show because. Yeah. He's got some stories. Tales to tell. Yeah. And I don't, I don't blame him for switching genres. No, when you get when you get ran out by the evil shit, yeah, it makes the it makes the the big guy look a little little less menacing. That's kind of where I'm at, man. Like the uh, Bigfoot seems to be a lot less invasive of your soul. Yeah, that's no shit. Well, I hope so anyway. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and another thing is, is that this is local to our area, so any local listeners probably know of some of these areas that he's talking about. So. Ghost Hunter Dave says, Hey fellas, recently while fishing a dark shoot on Illinois Channel, I began hearing wood knocks and whoops. One set of knocks came from Diamond Island, and whoops and knocks would answer from atop the bluff behind me. After about 20 minutes, an Illinois Department of Natural Resources officer showed up and began checking the area. He asked to check my fishing license and bait bucket. During this time, several more knocks and grunts were heard. When I asked him about it in a joking manner, he took out a small notebook and jotted something down. He then tucked it back into his pockets and said, they're migratory, you know. I stood kind of stunned as he turned and walked away, and I walked away quickly back to his truck. I asked in a voice, what in the fuck is migratory? He never asked and never answered, and after a low grunt from the diamond area, my shit got thrown into my car, and I took off. My second experience I've had in the river River Valley area, one in Calhoun County, one in Jersey County. Steve, you know my Rosedale story, so now Illinois Department of Resources has their own ideas also in regards to this cryptid. Thanks so much, Ghost Hunter Dave. Love it. Just I, I, This is one of the ones I actually read because I was confused by the title of it in the email. I'm like, is this another one of these fucking spam emails? <laughs> so I started- uh, yeah, it is. He titled the Illinois DNR recognition. Yeah, like I'm like, I thought, what the fuck are we getting recognized for by Illinois DNR? Yes, dude, I thought the same thing. And then I started reading it, and I'm like, damn, that was an awesome story. Like, I love the fact that he looked back at the dude and goes, what the fuck is migratory? <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, come on, what do you, you mean? Have to, you have to say it. I do. And, I love it. Oh, dude, it's such a cool story. It's so cool that that the dude, like, said it as casually as he did like hey you know like we both know what that is and you know that they migrate so it's it's see you later and it's all places where we're familiar with so if right. we i mean essentially we could get out there if we wanted to and see what's going on i know oh, yeah there there are uh bfro actual reports from around otterville 
and Grafton. And uh, there are a couple unsubstantiated reports from Brussels Ferry of something throwing large boulders into the river right there. All kinds of crazy shit from down in the Illinois River bottoms. So just to kind of get them all together, it makes for an interesting case for the big man here around Illinois. I know uh, I've mentioned it before, but the Finding Bigfoot crew was at Pier Marquette State Lodge in 2013 and took a bunch of sightings from there. People seeing it along the river road, people seeing it up further north in Chatham and could be a whole... I mean, if anywhere in Illinois, outside of like deep southern Illinois, Shawnee Forest and shit, Bigfoot's going to live. It's probably going to be uh, in the vast bluff areas of the Illinois River bottoms. Oh, yeah. Because it's thick. It is. I work uh, over there all the time. Homesteads and shit are few and far between. And um, you just get to driving over there, like on, on the Illinois side or, or the Missouri side, there are just miles upon miles upon miles of bluff and hilly forest that is it's unpopulated yeah it's hard to, there's there's it's probably hard to areas that haven't <clears throat> yeah there's probably areas that people never walked through before i know? wouldn't doubt it like thousands of acres of just nothing yeah or just forest so definitely a squatchy area uh ghost hunter dave if you're listening shoot me a text maybe we can set something up you can uh, call in and we can do an interview or something because I know people would love to hear the stories that you told me when we worked together. Oh, for sure. People want to know about it, man. So, hope you're being safe out there, brother. All right. From Ghost Hunter Dave's story, we're going on to this little tidbit that I have been diving into. And I'm going to do a little precursor here. Um... Give credit where it's due. I originally heard of this case from a YouTuber that I follow. Absolutely love her work. She's called the Paranormal Scholar. Go over there, check her out. She does awesome, like relatively unknown cases, a lot of exorcisms and shit. That's cool. Excellent quality YouTube channel. I was going to just use her episode as kind of a basis off this, but the more I started to dig into it, I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy so she referenced a book that she'd used as uh, a source so then i hunted down the book i found it online and i started to use it to back up all the information here the book's big it's like 350 pages never so i couldn't go through and put it all in here but i've touched on quite a bit of the experiences so if you're interested in digging more, you have to check the book out. There, it is. there are free versions online because that's where I found mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to title this, What's Haunting the Andrews Family? And the title will be misleading once we get into it. Good. I hope, so it's, in, I hope it's a jackalope. It starts. It is. Good. It is. Well, then we Actually, don't need to continue. Time for bed. So our story takes place in the early 1980s. A couple by the name of Ann and Paul Andrews moved into what they perceived to be their dream home with their three-year-old son, Daniel. The area is known as Slade's Green. This area appealed to the Andrews with its rural countryside feel, yet it was still close, less than an hour from downtown London, England. 
Their dream home would be one of four old farmhouses located within Slade Green. The one that they chose to live in was subtly named Sweetbriar Cottage. Sweetbriar Cottage was surrounded by farm fields on all sides, with a lush country looming in the background. It was really all that the couple ever wanted for their small growing family. Unfortunately, within the upcoming months, this dream would turn into a nightmare when unexplained activity began to take over their small rural farm. Kyle, if ever you want to jump in, you hear something fucking crazy, you want to talk about it, feel free. Gotcha. Some of the things that they began to experience were unexplained, unexplained bangs, knocks, and scratches all throughout their home. Appliances would turn on and off at will, sometimes without even having any power to them. Then livestock on their farm would begin dying in mysterious manners. Most unsettling of all is that the family would start noticing um, humanoids, for lack of a better term, that they dub the Watchers, keeping an eye on their properties from the edge Weird. of the forest. Weird. They're quoted as black, shadowy humanoid figures far enough away for them to not make out any sort of real detail, just kind of watching the family from the periphery of the farm. Before they could ever get close to them, they would disappear into this thick forest that surrounds one of their homesteads. Were they ever on like native ground? Um, I did. It wasn't made mention of. Yeah. But it is close. Like they moved from Sweetbriar further on in and moved to another farm where the watchers are prominent and it is uh, government land. Okay. So not. I'm just going like, to like, the way you describe it, it just makes me feel very like scouty, like they're like they're scouts, protective scouts type, which I feel like the which, natives would do. You know what I mean? And it, it might also be from the military. This story really, oh. really fucking reminds me of uh, Sir No Face. Good. Really fucking reminds me. Of Let's me. go. So as they move into paint, as they move into Sweetbriar, they're bringing all their stuff in. Um, they at the time Anne was also pregnant, so the arrival of their second child just months after moving in in 1983 seemed to be kind of the tipping point for this paranormal activity. As the family welcomed their new baby boy Jason, Anne uh, began to take on a role as a full-time mom. So she would stay home and just raise the children. Things started to escalate quickly a few months after Jason's birth. So they moved in and things were pretty chill. But after Jason was born, things began to get fucking weird. First off, one encounter, Anne had put him down for a nap in his room. She states that she had rocked him to sleep and went in and laid him in his crib, taking this time to tidy some things up around the house and spend some more one-on-one -on -one time with their older son, Daniel. When she went in to check on Jason not long after, she was absolutely terrified. When she went to check the child's room, he was not anywhere to be found. His crib was empty. As she called out his name, she began to hear him stir and start crying. That's when she found him tucked underneath the crib bed. Somehow Jason, an infant, had managed to get out of his crib where he had been put down for sleep and immerse himself completely beneath the crib. That's terrifying. That sucks. Yeah, I wouldn't like that at all. That sucks. 
man, I already don't like this story. Because you think of things fucking with your baby kids and it's not it's not okay at all in the story. Yeah. You know you what I mean? Wanna, you don't wanna don't fuck with kids, man. No. No. Not long after, Ann had put Jason down for a nap in a similar fashion, only to be met with the exact same scenario. Except Jason was found underneath the rocking chair in his room. This not only happened once but twice where the boy was found underneath this chair. Another incident, she found the crib empty after putting Jason down for a nap. As she scoured the room, she couldn't find the boy at all. Checking under the crib and under the chair, terrified, she began screaming for the child. When she heard him to start to cry from across the room, she found him behind a closet door pressed completely up against the wall. Just kind of, I'm assuming he's laying like horizontally but has his face and stuff pushed up against the wall. Right. So trying to be rational and kind of looks toward her older son, who's about four years old at the time, thinking that maybe he is the culprit moving his younger brother, either out of jealousy and not being the only kid anymore or maybe just trying to like help the family out. You know, he's thinking he's taking on that big brother role. I'll right, get the right. baby out and rock him or I'll get the baby out and lay him down. And asked Daniel about this and he denied ever moving his little brother. And this denial was backed up when on another occasion, Daniel was out staying the weekend with his grandparents and Jason was again moved from his crib to another location around the home and knew that Daniel could have nothing to do with Jason's movement this time. She was forced to accept that someone or something was moving her baby around their home without her knowing. This continued for almost three months until out of nowhere, it stopped just as soon as it began. They kind of put it out of their mind and sort of forgot about it, forgot about it um, as they kind of took on the role of the new home, the new farm and raising two small children. Around the same time, Daniel began to act kind of strange. Daniel's the older boy. He would be caught talking to himself in his bedroom, laughing and chuckling to nothing, nothing at all and no one there. He began to talk about his new friend he made, Junus. Anne wrote this off as just an over-imagination of a child dealing with the life-changing of having a new little brother. So Anne didn't think much of it when Daniel would tell her that she would scare Junus away as soon as she entered the bedroom. When she would ask what Junus looked like, he would merely describe him as a soldier man, not anything more. Until one day they were watching a sci-fi movie on television and Daniel popped up and pointed out the space explorer in a spacesuit and he said, that's what Junus wears. That's weird. This pro- Yeah, that's, that sucks too. Yeah, that's, that's shitty. <laughs> like, I mean, but when, how old was... Uh... What's his face? Daniel? Uh, he's three years older than three. Uh, uh, the other kid. I can't think of his Jason. Name. Yeah. He's three years older, so he's probably around four years old. Yeah. See, I remember when Gage was little and he said uh, he remembers red and blue lights coming to talk to him when he was little. It it makes you and wonder. And he would have been three or four at the time. Everett had... 
ever had an an invisible friend. He said he had nah, green, fuck that. green skin and blue hair. And he 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 was adamant that whatever this this thing was lived under the water, lived in a lake. That's gross. And we would get in the car and he would want me to drive him around so he could show me where this this thing lived. And I said, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I you know wouldn't I mean? have either. He called him Juker Bob. Juker Bob. <laughs> Juker Bob. That's slick. And he was like, This is this is where he lives. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not, we're not gonna go, we're not gonna go see him. That's, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So as Daniel sees the space explorer and points out that that's what Junus wears, it prompted his parents to inquire more about Daniel's new friend. He would tell them that Junus was teaching him about all the stars in the sky. All the questions Daniel would answer in a very matter-of-fact, absolute way. When asked how Junus got into his room, Daniel very seriously looked at his parents and said, through the window. But when asked if Junus would go to school with Daniel, or if they should invite him, invite him over for dinner, Daniel would just look at them like they were crazy and say, don't be silly. That's weird. Yeah. So, almost like he knows that... He they that Junus has nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah, <clears throat> or that, or that Junus can't do that. Like that's an acknowledgement of like you, like like well, we're just pretending he's an alien. It'd be like the acknowledgement of him going, "Come on, you know he's an alien. He can't show up to school." Like, yeah, seriously. Like, like why would you even ask that? Yeah, that's dumb. Quite that's dumb. It's. <laughs> It, the whole story is so fucking bizarre. The whole story. The visits became almost scheduled. Daniel would let them know when he was when Junus was coming to visit or whether or not it was going to be a while before he came back. And like clockwork, they would hear the little boy talking away at all hours of the night on the nights when Junus was supposed to be there. When they'd try to sneak to the boy's room and eavesdrop on the conversation... Daniel would always somehow sense that they were outside the door and stop the conversation with this soldier man. As the boys got older, uh, there would be other strange encounters as well. Times when the farm would be completely engulfed in bright lights in the middle of the night. Paul would have to go out and check for the sources of the light and it would immediately turn off, almost as if someone had turned a light switch on and off outside of the farm. There would be times when the boys would be left in the same room entertaining one another when Paul and or Anne would go down to check on them. Or, okay, there would be times when the boys would be left in the same room entertaining one another. And when Paul or Anne would go back to check on them, Jason would be nowhere in sight, only to be heard screaming from his bedroom. When the parents would go in to check on him, he would be sobbing uncontrollably, telling stories of tiny men trying to take him again, which, although disturbing... His parents wrote off as just childhood over imagination from something he'd seen on the television. Yeah. Okay. See, you see the route this is going, right? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm. I. I mean, Terrible. I had a pretty good inkling earlier, but yeah, like the second you're like, yeah, they were in this room playing, and then all of a sudden he show up in his room crying, like that room. That's like right out of uh, Fire in the Sky. I just it makes me remind, like, remember the guy hiding underneath the table and fucking freaking out when he gets syrup oh, yeah. in his face. The syrup scene has, yeah, given me PTSD. Right. 
Like I feel like that's basically what Jason just went through. It's fucking terrible. Like I Dude. feel so. If you read the book, the mother, the mother's the one that wrote the book. I'll give the name of it at the end here. Well, I mean, it's kind of already put out there that this is definitely not any kind of haunting, but I just yeah. like to kind of throw it for a little right there. Um, the name of the book is Abducted, The True Tale of Alien Abduction in Rural England. And it's written, co-written by the mother, Anne Andrews. So it's all firsthand accounts of what actually happened. That's and crazy. Fucking wild. Hey, Hollow Cult. The weather's getting nice. And you know what that means? It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots they they have it all and it's it's ridiculously awesome you can even stop by their the local tacova store have a complimentary drink or two and shop new styles the smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it so just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin hollow sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So they also started having issues with owls. Oh, yay. And and mind you, this was written a long time ago. So before any of this owl stuff really hit the media, like the fourth kind and all that shit that came yeah, through. Yeah, 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 yeah. On several occasions in the middle of the night, the boys would be sat staring out the double pane windows looking out into the darkness of the yard. When Anne would make her way over to see what they were looking at, she would be startled to see two enormous black eyes staring back at her, surrounded by plumes of white feathers, staring back through the window and keeping a close eye on both of the boys. It was a snowy owl. This would become commonplace for the next few months. The owl would come and go, making stops almost to check on the boys every night. On more than one occasion, Daniel would open the window and the owl would fly It was only later that Anne would realize that snowy owls are exceptionally rare for that area of in, of England. What'd you say? Hey, even... What'd you say about the owl when it opened the window? Uh, let me cut back there. Yeah, because you cut out. Yeah, my internet's being trash. On more than one occasion, Daniel would open the window and the owl would fly into the room and perch on the back of an armchair. Nope. It was only later that Anne would realize that snowy owls are exceptionally rare for Kent and its behavior was even more baffling. Eventually, the owl would stop making its visits, 
almost the same as the soldier man did. Bro, I'm telling you right the fuck now. If I walked into my kid's room and I saw an owl perched on anything in that thing, <laughs> it is going to get a Superman punch. Just full on dead sprint Superman punch. Get the fuck Getting out it. of here. Get it. Get. And that's so I, weird because that's exactly what the owl did that other night when we were I out. I told there. you. I fucking told that's you when weird. that happened and it sat there and it looked at us from that yeah. tree branch. Yeah. I said, dude, this. I said, I know we just did the owl man and that's coincidental. I'm like, but the story that I'm working on now makes it even worse. It's great. Fucking great. It gets gonna get well, worse. It does get worse. You should have you should have boosted me. I should have took off running. We should have done where you got down, held your hand together, I put my foot in it, you launch me up, and I do a real Superman punch and punch that owl out of your tree. I should have. I, I walked oh, up on it done. and took off. And then I would have Well, you my, walked up on it and it sat there for a good little while before it flew off. Yeah, it was testing me. I know. It says, well, it says, what you going to do? What the yeah. fuck are you going to do? And I said, nothing. And it said, I know. And then it flew away. <laughs> oh, man. As if owls, disappearing children and owls in the bedroom aren't bad enough. It's going to get worse. Oh, great. Cool. According to Anne, on July 2nd, 1987, this would be a significant date in the family's paranormal experiences. This also happened to be little Jason's fourth birthday. At around 10 p.m., Jason was crashed out on the couch. He was tired from spending the whole day of being the birthday boy in the center of all the birthday festivities when all of a sudden, a loud bang began on the front door. Paul said it sounded as if someone was trying to kick the door in with a pair of steel-toed boots. Of course, Paul wasn't trying to have anything of anybody breaking in, especially on his son's birthday. So he rushes to the front door to confront whoever was seemingly trying to break in. <clears throat> As Paul pulled the door open, he was met with absolutely nothing. No one on the porch, no one in the yard, no one running down the lane. Anne goes on to say that at this very moment, a huge crash of thunder shook the, entire, the entirety of Sweetbriar Cottage. After this initial crash of thunder, Anne states that another different rumbling began. It continued building until it was all you could hear. And at the culmination, there was an enormous bolt of lightning that shot across the sky and lit up the entire house. So just this, I'm assuming like almost a stampede sound getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. That's creepy. <clears throat> And she states that as soon as the lightning lit up the lit up the sky, little Jason sat up from a dead sleep on the couch and started walking toward the front door. He didn't notice any of the commotion going on around him. He didn't notice his family there. It was almost as if he was in some trance-like state. He then began talking, spewing out unfathomable, uh, unfathomable number equations. She quotes, like an incredible stream of numbers, fantastic numbers, huge numbers, strange algebraic configurations, mathematical terms like pi and binary codes. So as he stands up, he just turns into a calculator, an algebra book. I would smack him in the back of the head. I said, boy. Starts reciting all of this stuff that a four-year-old shouldn't fucking know anyway. 
No. I'm 38 and I don't fucking know. No. So I know one in... type of pie. <laughs> the kind you eat. Keeping in mind that Jason had only just turned four years old, and that any and all of the math mat or the mathematic numbers that were spewing from his mouth should be unknown to him. His family immediately thought he was having some sort of medical emergency, maybe a seizure <laughs> or a stroke. So that Paul, is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. My kid's really good at numbers. Call the doctor. But I mean, if he's, I, I don't know. At this point, I don't know how I would react. Uh, I got, definitely would not trying, call the doctor. You got someone trying to break in. You got tornado sounds coming from the outside. Yeah, that's you got, scary. You got your little kid just standing up, not like just being a little weirdo, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. Standing up, act, acting a fool, and trying to do math that he doesn't know how to do. <laughs> Fucking act right, kid. Come on. Like, if, I, dude, I can't get that out of my head. I can't get, get it out of my head of like picturing Maeve get up. And walk over and it just starts like one one zero 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 one zero zero one zero one one three point one four and then and then Shauna going, call the doctor. She's having a seizure. I'd be like, no, no, this is not a seizure at all. <laughs> I anyway, Paul grabs I mean, the terrifying, phone. Terrifying, yes, terrifying, but I not just a didn't seizure. know what the fuck to do, especially with everything that was going on. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So Paul grabs the phone and he tries to call emergency services, but the phone line's dead. Oh, cool. All of the phones in the house do not work. At this point, um, within a fraction of a second, all of the sounds stopped just as soon as it began. The thunder, the lightning, and Jason's mathematical word vomit, for lack of a better term there, too. In the silent, Jason stands okay so i guess the mathematical equations were happening right as he was standing at the couch and then when all the silence hit he makes a beeline for the front door oh no just running for the front door nope i'd be sticking my foot out and tripping that kid (laughs) paul was quick enough to grab jason by his shoulder and keep him from exiting the house in doing so jason turned to his father and said very matter-of-factly they're waiting for me. I have to go. Paul and Ann both say that the voice that he said this in did not sound like his own voice. It was monotone, completely void of any inflection or emotion. So. That gives me the heebie-jeebies bad. Yeah. I don't like that. They're Somebody, waiting for me. <clears throat> I have to go. Somebody be getting duct tape down you ain't going nowhere kid you ain't going with i don't give a fuck who is out there you're not going and as soon as he said this and paul looks at him like no you're fucking not all of the sounds start again the crashes begin the lightning begins the thunder begins and just starts intensifying like exponentially Jason tried to juke his father out and move for the door Paul said that he literally had to wrap his arms around his four-year-old son to keep him from exiting the house he sat there and held Jason in place until the sound subsided again and Jason essentially woke up from his trance-like state 
pretty much the worst possible thing to experience as oh uh, yeah i'm not trying to have that happen at all no i mean I, I don't know what i would do i really don't like there'd be that part of you just want to stick your finger out the door you know, flipping them off you know get bent buddy then there's Especially that other part you of you looked out there and there's nobody there there's nothing yeah because yeah Paul, as you read through the book, Paul is in denial for a very, very long time as to what the fuck's going on. Oh, I'm sure. You don't want to, you're not trying to acknowledge that. No, he's just thinking his kids are acting up. They're just acting a fool and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, Paul doesn't want those demons. No. He doesn't want that shit. And I don't blame blame him. him. Hell no. This, This event on Jason's birthday kind of kicked up the... Uh, phenomena to the next level. Yeah, well, before you get off to that, <clears throat> I mean, it does add up because in my little account from episode one, whenever I had the run-in with the dog and on my back door, right by my room, it sounded like somebody was trying to beat the door in that night. It's, fucking it's almost the same thing. Fucking weird. It just might involve a dog. Fucking weird, dude. Weird, fucking weird. The aliens I must hate, have an MO for that. I hate diving into these and doing research and then connecting the dots between things that we've experienced. Oh, yeah, I know it's I know. gross. It is gross. And it, oh man, sometimes you do do that and you can't sleep good at night. You're just like, oh god, this is this is the worst idea ever. Yeah, the worst. Cause it'll be 10 o'clock at night and you're writing about it. And you're just like, you feel like somebody is standing behind you. Like it's, uh, they're getting ready to grab you. Yeah. It's gross. I absolutely hate it. So anyway, moving on again, this kind of ushered in a whole new uptick in the phenomena around the home. The Andrews are also still kind of in the camp that this might be some sort of uh, haunting activity. I think maybe it's a poltergeist doing this. Something that has to do with the farm. The farm's old as fuck. So they're still kind of in that camp. It hasn't really registered to them that this might be a UFO, otherworldly type shit outside of Daniel saying that Junus was a spaceman. Right. But ghosts can be spaceman too. Yeah. Well, they probably are. Probably. If we're going to go down that road. Yeah. So the poltergeist activity uh, kind of moved to the forefront. Multiple instances of electrical appliances such as TVs, radios, blenders, coffee makers, etc. turn on and turn off by themselves. Appliances that are completely oh appliances unplug and plug themselves in on their own appliances also power themselves on when they are unplugged when they have no power source presence present they'll unplug the television and it'll come on so literally i mean it makes me want to talk to baggins even more now because it literally sounds almost like every single like poltergeist haunting yep like straight the fuck up telling you bro it's all tied together 
That it's, sucks. it's like Sir No Face before Sir No Face hit. That's crazy, man. Because it is, it is like everything you describe, and you're like, oh, I've heard this in how many or ghost stories? Yeah, ton of them. It's it's fucking. It's, it's icky. It's icky. Trying to where are we at on time? I'm trying to find a good spot know. to split it up. Either, I don't know. I have no idea. I forgot when we started. Me too. All right, I'll just go to like five after nine. That'll work. Fuck it. So from there, items would begin to go missing. Keys, plates, cups, remotes, utensils, books. Essentially, anything would disappear from the places they were last set and end up in places different or end up in different parts of the house. Keys set on the table would end up on top of windowsills where the small children could not have been responsible for putting them there. Plates from the table would end up stacked up in the bathtub, and so on and so forth. Whatever was plaguing the Andrews family definitely wanted them to know that it was there, and it had access to the inside of their home at all times. That's a shitty way of stating that. It definitely like that was all. Yeah, that is all just a flex. Yeah, being like, look. I can get in here whenever I want. I can do whatever I want. Fucking sucks. Yeah, that's a really shitty feeling. It's especially like it's so terrible. Like I feel sympathy for everyone. I feel sympathy for Jason because he's like the the center for all of this bullshit going on. I feel sorry for Daniel because he's on like the periphery of it but he still has shit going on with him and the parents trying to keep their kids collected would be fucking just it would be I'd rather have I would a million times over rather have shit happening to me than oh, yeah. happening to my kids oh yeah infinitely without question so it's it's reading the story it's easy to empathize with the entire family because yeah. the shit they're going through is terrible. And they're they're just so at lack of an explanation that they just they just they get to a point to where they just don't know what the fuck to do. I mean, I can imagine because I mean uh, one of, I know what I would do. Like one of my steps would be both of my kids would be sleeping in bed with me and my wife. Especially and then, once they started to go missing and yeah. shit like that. The doors would get locked the whole night. Dude, I I would install a fucking uh, a padlock lock at the top of that fucking door and then could you imagine then if your kid ended up outside of the the room oh, somehow Fuck. which you know would happen you know it would happen you know yeah. it would just as a flex bro because whatever whatever is inside this whatever is after i'd never get people, sleep again they it, it is there with a mission it wants them to know i'm here and i can do whatever the fuck i want see that's shitty too that's shitty I mean, I would never get sleep again because there's no way I could, like, uh, I just don't, I don't, I just couldn't. There's no way I could fail my kids like that. No, you'd just be, you'd just be watching your kids forever. That's it. I'd sleep during the day and then stay up all night and just be like, come on, I'm fighting everybody. Yep. My kids, I'm tying them to me. So let's do this. It's, it gets even deeper. From here. Of course it does. 
at this around this time strange or around this part of the story strange time anomalies began happening within the home all the clocks within the home would gain or lose time simultaneously every single clock in the home would be off but they would be off together so much so that they thought the house may have some sort of faulty wiring issue Paul would bring in an electrician and the electrician confirmed that all the wiring was good and up to par and not causing the anomaly. Not wanting to accept the fact that the home had fallen into a time zone of its own, the family began to double down on this being a poltergeist. So much so that they did the one thing you're not supposed to do. Uh-oh. And they named it. They started do that for calling the spirit Charlie. So even now, even now that there are all, all of the telltale signs that this is UFO activity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way I would be convinced that this was a poltergeist. But at all. Like, like we just said, it also has all of the hallmarks of poltergeist activity. Yeah, minus the kids getting all transported and shit. Well, yeah, that's that's not poltergeist. A little oversight I missed there. Now, if you see your kid getting drugged down the hall by nothing, okay, yeah, we can go poltergeist. Not saying that it is, but I can understand how it would be in that genre. Now, but if your kid just magically disappears and then has a a numbers seizure, then uh, it's (laughs) a little out of poltergeist realm. I feel like. Could be wrong though. I fucking hate numbers. Albert Einstein might be out there fucking with people yet. Who knows? So I'm I'm coming to a good uh, stopping point here, but that'll work. Okay. So from Charlie, uh, the toll of having uh, his son struggling with something that he cannot physically control or help begins to weigh heavily on Paul and his mental health. He gets so. Um, stressed out at what is going on he just immerses himself at work he spends as much time away from the home as he can and he is just kind of not being himself yeah abandoning his post yeah yeah he was just just too much for him to handle that's not cool man you don't leave your kids high and dry like that it would all come to a head one day with his new boss when Paul just lost his temper and told his ball or his ball told his <laughs> boss exactly how he was feeling. His boss in turn fired Paul. At first, this seemed like a blessing in disguise because now Paul spent more time at home. He seemed to get a grasp of what was going on with his family and what his family was going through. He found peace in being around his family and his farm animals. And he told Anne that it was the first time in a long time that he really felt some sort of ease since all of this activity started. Of course, this wasn't to last very long. As the crunch of the cost of living closed in fast, they were notified that Sweetbriar Cottage was being repossessed. Despite being a setback, Anne and Paul seemed to welcome the new start. Hoping to leave the entities that were haunting their boys back at Sweetbriar, this led them to a new homestead that they called Hawk's Nest. So, I'm going to end this one here. And on next week's episode, we'll see what happens to the Andrews family now that they've gotten out of old Sweetbriar Cottage where there's ghosts and aliens. It needs to be renamed Bullshit Briar Cottage. 
Yeah. Well, these are sweet briar. Fucked. Yeah. Man, I feel bad for him. Hopefully, it just turns the cupcakes and rainbows for him. It does not. Well, well, it does not. That sucks. Because I mean, it would be so, so. Like, imagine how shitty that all would have to be. That their silver lining to this fucking mushroom cloud is. Paul losing his job and their home getting repossessed. Yeah. They're like, you know what? This is this is a good thing. This is great this news. Is probably gonna work it out. Great news. Yeah, that that is actually a pretty shitty revelation there. If the like you said, if you if that's what you're considering great great news. And it does not get better at all. You gotta be in a real bad spot. Which I can imagine. Dude, I would be in the same same situation. I would I would be so stressed. I probably would have had 14 heart attacks. Yeah. Dude, it was so bad that Paul just said, fuck it. I'm gonna, just going to live at my job. Yeah. Left Ann there to fucking raise kids, yeah, fight deal with aliens, it. Uh, deal with ghosts and whatever the fuck else was going on. Like, it is just that's a plethora bad. of everything. Like, even the time anomalies. That's Yeah, that's, that's fucking so weird. That They all... Could you, like... It is just trying to make them lose their fucking mind. I think that I would lose my mind. Yeah, which what does that? No. It's a fucking straight up 101 demon shit. Yeah. I just say get them. Tries to make you feel like you're fucking losing your mind. Yeah, I know. Fuck that. Can you imagine like getting up and going to work and your boss is like, hey, you're six hours late. You're like, no, dog, I'm not. Leave at four o'clock in the morning every morning. He's like, look around you. It's daylight outside, you fucking idiot. You're like, oh, fuck. But my clock said it was four. What is that? You're an idiot. Yeah. it's Come over to my house and then you'd bring him over and your clock's probably reset. Yeah, I'd bring him over and then the fucking aliens would kick the door in. Yeah. They'd put my boss in the crib bed. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> but yes, I will cut it off there and we will tune in, revisit the Andrews family at their new place, Hawk's Nest, next week. As I said, it's a big book. I've just touched on some of the pieces, but if you want to check it out, I found it for free reading online. It is called abducted a true tale of alien abduction in rural england written by ann andrews and somebody else who i don't remember but it's all first-hand accounts of what this family went through um, that sucks before we wrap it up i also want to just make sure to shout out uh, the paranormal scholar again check out her channel it is wonderful she does all kinds of cool uh, research and puts forth a lot of weird shit. So that's awesome. Check her out because that's where I got the idea for this episode. She's the one that recommended the book and sent me down this path of just absolute bullshit. I'm excited to continue it. It's a pretty um, riveting story. If you, if anybody gets in and does read the book, you can kind of feel the way the mom writes the story how she kind of gets pulled back and forth as to how she feels about what's going on when the child, when the kids are little, 
she kind of portrays them as, as as victims, which they are of whatever this phenomena is. But as they get older, she kind of starts to pull away from the victimization of the children and kind of starts pointing them to being like chosen ones. Oh, no. Sort of Bledsoe-ish. Like no. these beings picked out these children no. to focus on. That's because mom is probably on drugs at this point. I mean, can you blame her? No. No, no, no. I can't no. confirm or deny. No. What she does in her recreational spare time. No. I but. feel bad for the lady, but that's not a very good way of coping. She does kind of go back and forth. And that's like culty uh, shit there. Like, you are the chosen one. It reminds yeah. me of the little aliens in Toy Story inside because a little wrote, claw. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she wrote this book and she also she also did a couple interviews on uh, British television like news sites and shit talking about their experiences and she kind of does go back and forth. The book is kind of difficult to read because chronologically it's kind of all over the place because Anne's telling her story and then the co-writer who came in and interviewed them is also kind of integrating their experience in as well. But That's weird. Like I said, I kind of picked out some interesting tidbits, but it's it's a good read. If you want to fucking feel uncomfortable, definitely cool. check out what happened in this family. Awesome. But yeah, tune in next week for part two, what's haunting the Andrews family. And uh, it gets worse. So Yay. didn't think it could, it does. So thanks for hanging out with us this fine Monday. Uh, we will have been at CryptidCon by the time this drops. Hopefully some of you Hollow Cult comes out and says hi to us. By the time the next episode drops, Thanksgiving will have came and went. So I hope everybody who celebrates Thanksgiving had a wonderful Thanksgiving, ate too much food, was a little miserable, but are now feeling better. So until we meet again, check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord. Come be part of the Hollow Cult. Stay safe, stay weird, and if you see an owl, just Superman punch it, because they're usually up to no good. Facts. <laughs>